It's what I've entitled this this morning. Go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Let's get real. I feel it in the room. I'm a feeler. I am a feeler. I can walk into rooms and I feel what the room feels like. God has given me that gift. He has given me discernment. So I know we can put on a happy face and look good to everybody around us. But that's not what God's wanting this morning. What God is wanting is he is wanting to touch something deep down inside of you called your spirit. And he's wanting for it to come alive. Not just here in Sunday morning when we sing about his son Jesus. But I'm talking about on Tuesday afternoon when it's just you and him. He is wanting to bring your spirit to life. So we're in Colossians 3 today. Given this title, uh, we're calling this today, God in us, okay? God in me, write that down. If you write notes down on your paper and your Bible, but God in me, what does that look like? And let me just give you the very, very 30,000 foot view. What does that look like to me? I want the God in me to come out of me even when the circumstances of my life, some that I've brought on, some that I didn't bring on, but I want the God in me to be constantly on display. That's what I desire. So today we're calling this God in me, God in us. And what does that look like as we go through this thing called life? Okay? So just a real quick, because I want to dive right into the nuts and bolts of this thing, but a real quick overview of what Paul is saying here to the people in this area. He's writing to the Colossians. They are starting to have lies come into their camp. They're starting to have other religious practices invade their territory. They're having things that are not of God starting to infiltrate the way they think and practice life. And Paul is basically writing this letter, especially here in the second and third chapter, and he is saying, hey guys, listen up. This is not the way of life. I'm here writing this, pay close attention because I need to set the record straight. The cliff notes coming from my mind, what the Lord has said to me is this. Paul basically said it in a sentence. He wrote a whole letter, but in one sentence, he summed up what he wanted to say. And he said, hey guys, if this thing, your life, is not centered around and oozing Jesus Christ, if this is not about Jesus, then you all are missing the point. And he says this in the second chapter, down in the eighth verse, this is what he says. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world. Say this with me. Rather than on Christ. That sounds a lot like today. It sounds a lot like my life. 
It sounds a lot like there are so many opportunities, there are so many things, there are so many distractions that are competing for, listen to this, competing for the God in me, the place or space that is God in me. There are many hollow and deceptive things out there. And I'm not going to be here this morning to go through a list, but I want you to take some time and do a little checking of yourself. Go ahead and be honest. You can write it down if you want. If you want to just have them up in your mind, you can think about them. But what are those things that are just hollow? They're absolutely worthless. They are hollow and deceptive. They're worthless. And you have entertained and even allowed them to have space inside of you that is only intended for God to dwell. Think about it. What are those things? Can I ask you this? Is it difficult to think about those things? Do you have to sit there and rack your mind for those things to actually come out? If we just stop and take just a small inventory of, of what we are allowing in those deceptive moments and in those hollow, shallow, worthless moments, they're there. And what I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do for the rest of our time this morning is for us to just not be calloused over to where those shallow, hollow, deceptive things, they're invading and they're removing even the God in us and overpowering, not overpowering God, but in us. We're allowing them to take rank. And so, Holy Spirit, do not let us be so calloused that we can't sit here in front of you in your presence and be honest about what some of those things may be. You know, it's amazing how quickly a callous, you know what a callous is, right? I know none of you ladies have any, and I don't have any either, but some of the men in here, they have calluses. I was just holding hands with my little six-year-old the other day. I was just holding, he's still the only one in my family that will hold my hand, and, and he was holding my hand, and I was just rubbing, and he's got a callus right down here at his pinky because he swings the golf club, and he just swings, he swings all the time. And he is formed at six years old on just perfect little skinned hand. He's formed a callus and he's only six. I believe there's some of us in here, we're 66 or 46. And we have just gone through life the same way. And we've not truly stopped to be aware that, oh my goodness, it's been 15 years. And I have just allowed hollow and deceptive. I've allowed worldly things I've allowed even lies to come in and then what happens is it's here in us it is who we are and everywhere we go that is what comes out of us so I, I take inventory before I come out here on a Sunday morning to talk to you guys about this stuff my wife helps me with my inventory and if we're not careful we will go through life just normal, but what is coming out of us or coming out of me is not the God in me. It could be a list of all other things. 
And so I'm asking the Holy Spirit this morning as we go through this talk that Holy Spirit searches us. And according to this letter that Paul wrote the Colossians, we will take heed. And so I ask you, are you willing? Are you open? Because Paul said this, if it's not Jesus, it's nonsense. Paul says it's only about Jesus. And then I love this. I want you to go up into chapter one. And I want you to listen to this. And I want to read this from a different translation. He said, this is what it's all about. He said, there's a group of people, the Colossians, you're Christians, you're following Jesus. This is what it's about. It's not about hollow philosophies or deceptive philosophies that are based on man and their tradition and their good ideas. No, it's based on Jesus and Jesus alone. And this is what he says. I mean, Colossians, Colossians chapter one, the 26th and 27th verse. Listen to this. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says, there is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed. We live in this time. We live in the revelatory time. He says, but now it's being revealed. It's already been revealed to us. Do you know what it is? Here it is. It's unfolding and manifested for every holy believer to experience. That's us because of Jesus. Verse 27, it says this, living within you. Can you say that, please? Living within you is not a bunch of deception, a bunch of lies, a bunch of selfishness, and a bunch of lists that I could go on forever. But living within you is the Christ, Jesus. I just want you to stop and just think about that for a second. We're going to get real personal here in a few minutes. We're going to talk about your life and your house and your marriage. We're going there, so get ready. But we need to first stop and just reflect, get our minds off of lunch, get our minds off of what the next appointment is, get our minds off of what you're doing tomorrow at work, and I need your full attention to be focused on what you just heard me read. No distractions. Andy's already prayed for it. The fact that this grand mystery has been revealed to you and I. There's some people, maybe not in this room, but within walking distance of where we are right now, whose life would be defined by misery. Their life would be defined by distraction. Their life would be defined by wreckage. And I'm talking about people who are followers of Jesus that gave their life to Jesus when Emmanuel, God with us, was offered to them. They accepted it. And they're Christ followers. If they were to die today, they would go to heaven and spend eternity in God's presence, glorified because of God coming to be with us. But they are within walking distance. And you bump into these people all the time. 
You look at them, and if you are like me, you're looking at them with discernment, and you're seeing them, and you look at them, and they're like, oh, no, the weight of the world is all over their face. You guys have been going to Target? Y'all don't go to Walmart, do you? No, y'all go to Target. I go to Walmart, but you guys are probably going to Target, and you walk in there, and you see it on their face, don't you? Surely you're not in just such a trance that you're just so focused only on getting whatever. No, you're walking around, you see it on their face. And I'm talking about people who are going to die and go to heaven. Christians. You see it on their face. Sometimes you get close enough to them and you can feel it in their energy that they're putting off. Hey guys, we live in a day and age where even Christ followers are struggling with every day of life. And what Paul says here is that living with, and then what I'm saying is it shouldn't be that way, guys. You can go to Walmart and you can walk around Walmart and 43 people hit your car with a cart and 18 people cussed you because you didn't take their part, but they thought you did. You can go anywhere in this city and you can walk around no matter what's going on around you. People taking advantage of you, people grabbing at your attention, people wanting your stuff. And hey, you can walk around this very community because not some motivational speech, Not some church service, but this is why you and I get to walk around with the power and glory of God all over us, no matter the situation. The phone call comes in that you don't like. It's going to happen. Tomorrow, for some of you, you're going to the place and you don't like anyone there. That does not change the fact that God, it says here, that living within you is the Christ. He's living inside of us. And that may sound like something that they're teaching over there with our children, but I believe our children are schooling us adults in how to live today. I asked a little four-year-old, I think he's four-year-old, just the other day, I said, hey man, what day is it? Just try, because I'm trying to grasp. Say, buddy, what day is it? You know what he said? I don't know. Hey, I don't know. That's what he said. He said, I don't know. And guess what? He didn't care. He knew that he had a house. He had life. Life was good. It's childlike faith. You know what? You guys, some of us, if you're like me, you've already got 2021 planned. I want to live with the fact the whole world can come on but they're coming on against me and God with me because God is in me I love this I'll read it instead of stopping living within you hey wives would you read that verse to your husband this week about every day seriously I'm not joking 
Hey, wise, would you just seriously read it? And it comes from the Passion Translations. It's Colossians chapter one, verse 27. And you need to do this. If my wife was reading this to me, it would sound like this. Hey, Scott, living within you is the Christ. <laughs> I need to know that. I need to base my next breath off of that. I need to base my next meeting off that. I need to make or I need to make sure in the next endeavor that I'm being reminded of that. Hey, wives, seriously. Please read that over your husband every day this week. I don't care if he's retired and gets to play golf every day. He still needs to be reminded. Hey, honey, you have Christ living inside of you. Immediately, immediately we become on the offense of what the enemy is trying to tell many men in our society today. Hey, men, you're not worthless. That's the enemy's lie. Hey, men, you're used up. No, that's the enemy's lie. Hey, men, you're not disqualified. That's the lie of the enemy. Hey, wife, you need to tell him tomorrow morning, hey, honey, listen, you have the Christ living inside of you. That makes me feel better just hearing that. Hey, wives, can you do that for your husbands today? Will you say yes? Three of them are. The rest of them? (laughs) And let me ask this again. Hey, wives, I'm not joking. Hey, wives, will you say that and read that over your husband this week every day? Say yes. Okay, we got six that time. I'm wanting 100% here. (laughs) Hey, wives, in this room, I need you reading this verse over your husband. And if you will, will you please say a resounding yes? Yes. Thank you. Hey, I'm not kidding. The enemy doesn't want you to do that. Because if you don't, guess what he will say? You're useless. You're disqualified. Your best years are behind you. Blah, blah, blah. Fill in the lies. But here's what Paul's saying. Hey, guys, I'm setting a record straight. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within you becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Hmm. That's what's available. That's what is upon us. It's what Paul was reminding these people um, in Colossians chapter 3 when he says, Colossians 3, 1, he says, since then, that since then is pointing back to what we just talked about for 20 minutes. Because Christ is amongst us, because God sent his son Jesus to be with us. He's died for you. He conquered death. He's ascended into heaven. He has sent the Holy Spirit. And now God lives within you. And Paul, very emphatically, he's not taking this lightly. The enemy and man's deceptions have come against this. And Paul says, no, I'm not having any part of it. You've seen Jesus. You've heard the stories. You know the life that you are given to live. And he says this, since then, and I love this. Now we're in chapter three. We're going to be here the rest of the time. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Get this. It's our first point of the morning. He says, set your hearts on things above. That's as practical as it gets. 
For every one of us in this room today, we know God is in us. And when I go into my office tomorrow or I go to the restaurant this evening, I know that I have to be aware that God is in me. And that changes the way that I respect people. That changes the way I talk to people. That, listen, it changes the way I'm generous with people. Because of Jesus Christ dying in my place. And because of the fact that he lives inside of me, I do not get to respond however I want anymore. This one point, when it is enacted and under the influence of God the Holy Spirit, it changes every aspect of your relationship. Not only with God the Father, but with everyone that you interact with. You think about this on a practical level, please. Maybe you are retired. Maybe you're older. Maybe you're there and you and it's just your wife, but it is God in you and it is your wife with God in her. And it's just you two maybe sitting in your rooms all the time, but it is God within both of you. That changes the way that you look at your everyday Maybe you're not old and retired and you're sitting at home. Maybe you're just young in this thing called Christianity and you've got a very active life and you're everywhere. I need you to know something. That you have God in you. And it says here in what that very first thing he says, hey, you, put your name in there. Scott, hey, Scott, please do this. Please set your hearts on things above. Hey, Scott, please be focused on things that God and his kingdom are doing. If I'm being honest, so many times, I'll give my heart to things that God isn't a part of. If you've ever played any golf whatsoever. You know, I, I used to play golf back in my former life. And one of the things that I wasn't very good at, and I'm still not that good at today, is when you stand there on the tee looking at the hole in front of you, there's a lot of things to look at. And some of the worst things to see with your physical eye on a golf course, this is a lesson for you. If you play, go for the springtime and maybe shave off a couple shots with this. But the worst thing that you can look at when you're on the tee of a hole are little white stakes that are out there. White stakes, not white snakes. White stakes. And if you've never played golf before, it doesn't matter. White stakes are out of bounds. And if you hit it out of bounds, you basically need to quit. Okay? Because that hole is ruined. But if you stand on the tee, and I used to do this, I used to stand there and I would see those white stakes. You know what Tiger Woods sees? Tiger Woods does not see those white stakes, even though they're there. Do you know what Tiger Woods is focused on? He has picked out a pine cone or a leaf or a discoloration of the fairway that's closest to the center of it. And that is his focus. 
Does that make sense? I'm looking over there, and the best in the world is looking right there. Hey, is that how we're supposed to live our life according to what Paul is saying here? He says, you need to set your hearts on things that matter. Things that are above and not on earthly things. Because of Jesus conquering death, because he ascended and because the Holy Spirit is amongst us, God is in you. God is saying to every single one of us in this room, yeah, I know there's distractions all over the place. We're going to talk about that in a second. He says, but hey, I, I'm needing you to have your heart focused on what I'm doing in myself, me. Focus on me. And so I want you, sometime this week, I want you to leave this place and I want you to think about that. Okay, God, what does that mean? How do I focus on things that are above and not on things that are all around me? How do I see the middle of the fairway instead of the out of bounds everywhere? And then just listen to him. I love this, and it goes on. He says this. He says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's a whole message that we're going to be teaching in January, that one verse. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. For this morning, we're going down here to verse four. For when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Verse five, here we go. Paul says, hey guys, it is time to put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. What he's saying right there is he's saying, hey, you remember all that stuff that I told you early on in this letter about this is all about Christ, and if it's not about him, then it's useless. Because of Jesus, him dying on the cross, forgiving you of all your sins, he says, hey, you don't get to live just any way that you want to live. Not only do I want you to set your minds on things above, but I want you to set your minds on what life Jesus has now given you. And he's saying, you guys are followers of Jesus. You guys are Christians. If he was sitting here today telling this story, he'd be like, man, you guys are a bunch of Christians. You guys are a bunch of little Christ. You follow Jesus in his way. You cannot have things in your life. Like, and he gives a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. He says, hey, Christians, you cannot have this in your life. You cannot put these two things together. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're claiming Jesus as your savior, and if you are thinking on things that are above, guys, listen, those, those things that are of your earthly nature, they're not, they, they can't coexist. It's just not going to be. I know that I'm not the most manly person in here and you can laugh at me. And that's why I tell you some of these stories because you can laugh at me and laugh at my mistakes. But I learned early on, I was dating my, my wife who was 16 at the time and she had this old Oldsmobile car and her car was dead one day at the school. And uh, she's like, Scott, hey, my car's dead. And so I don't know anything about a car, but I said, well, it's probably the battery. I had no idea if it was the battery or not. 
but I wanted to impress her. And so that's what I did. I, I was 17 years old at the time. I, the only thing I knew how to do was put gas in a car and turn a car on. And I didn't know anything. I said, so Dave, I said, hey, babe. I said, you got any jumper cables? Yeah, I got some jumper cables in the back of my car. I never, ever used jumper cables, ever, ever. And I didn't realize that there was a red and a black. And I didn't know there was a red and a black on the battery. Stay with me because this is going somewhere. But what happened, because I was trying to impress her, and I did. She's my wife now of 20 years, so the joke's on whoever. I don't know. But <laughs> I took these jumper cables, and I just put them on. Boom, boom. I saw where they clipped on the battery. Boom. We didn't have YouTube back then. We didn't even have the Internet back then. So I put them on the battery. Boom, 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 boom. I said, all right, baby, that's it. Start it up. And what happened was I had the red where the black was supposed to be and the black where the red was supposed to be. And if you know anything about cars in this place, that fried the electrical part of her car. It killed the car right there. See, there's things that just don't belong with other things. And I'm telling you today, guys, Christ followers in the room, if you're not a Christian in this room, this is really not for you. This is about your your, your new life that is coming. But if you're a Christ follower in this room, Paul was saying, hey, because of Jesus, listen, you got to put to death all that mess. You have to. I believe in grace and I believe that God has forgiven us, but there is no way that you and I as followers of Jesus get to live out this daily life living in a life of filth. And some of us are sitting here and we're Christians and we're sitting here and we're just wondering, like, why is all this? Like, why is this? There are earthly consequences to the way that you and I live. Yeah, God sees me through his son, Jesus. He has forgiven me, but that does not eradicate that there are earthly, temporal consequences to the way you and I live. Can I just say, listen, if, if you are wanting a strong marriage with your wife, if you're wanting you and your wife to be as close as some of these other people maybe you see and you're like, man, what a great example of a godly couple. I love the way he treats her with such respect. He would lay his life down for her. Wow, that's amazing. That's what the Bible says for us to do. But if that's what we're wanting and we're desiring it, we want it and we want it, but we're actually out here running around having uh, lewd conversations, those coarse jokes where you're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, you're talking to females in ways that you shouldn't be talking, you have intentions that are not, in, uh, that are not pure. Hey guys, can I tell you what's not going to happen? You're not going to have a marriage that is going to be strong and fortified. You're going to have one that is built on very shaky ground. You know what it's going to look like? The wind that's going to blow one mile an hour. It's just like that. And it's going to send your entire house into an uproar. And so I want to say this today for every husband in this room. I bet you there's not a person in this room, husband, that if you were hooked up to a lie detector and you had to tell the truth and your life depended on it, before you walk out those doors, you would say, God, I want the strongest marriage. My wife deserves the best marriage. I know that she's not perfect and I'm not perfect, but I know that she deserves it. I guarantee you that's the heart of every man in this room. And what I'm here to do today is tell you this, man, brothers, I know the struggle's real, but I need you to remember something. Hey, men, husbands, Every single one of you in this room, you need to remember this. Hey, God is in you. And I know that this world is tempting 
And I know it's got colors of all kinds and it's hot pink and neon and it's flashing for your attention. But listen to this, you've got God in you. And God in you, he is able to take you through any temptation that this world will ever throw at you. And so men, hey, husbands, you're gonna be tempted. As soon as you leave this place today, if you have children like me, they're gonna get loud when you want it quiet. And what's amazing is that they get quiet when you want them loud. That's gonna happen. It's the most frustrating thing. You know what you're gonna be able to do? Is they're gonna be coming at you and they're gonna go, and you're going to say, no, 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 wait a minute. I have God in me. Hey, God, me and you. Hey, God, I get to handle this situation with you. You get to handle it with me. What are we going to do, God? Seriously, you can do it. It's that simple. He's that close. We have to be real in here. Until here's the... I don't want to see another divorce in this church. You hear me? I don't want to see it. I want marriages protected, husbands. I want us to be the leaders of the home. I don't want our wives to go find joy and fulfillment in some other guy. She chose you. And so I'm sick and tired of all these divorces and it's just become normal. So I want to say, hey, we don't need more divorces. So here's what we do, husbands. We treat them so well with love and respect. Yes, they don't do everything right. Guess what? You messed up once too. But what we do is we get to hang out and we get to hang out with God. And we're like, God, I'm getting home. It's been a long day at work. It's seven o'clock. It's dark. It's cold. I bet you there won't be supper on the table. I bet you the house is going to be a mess. I got three kids hanging out the windows and my wife, I don't even know where she is. Oh, she took a nap. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk into this house, God, me and you, we're going to walk into this house. Because if I walk into this house without you, I'm going to be like um, the, the, the tornado guy. What's his name? That little cartoon character. Huh? Tasmanian devil. That's what I'm going to look like. My goodness, y'all jumped on that way quicker than reading your husband's scripture. Goodness. That's where we are these days, I guess. I mean, everyone, Tasmanian devil, every one of you. Hey, women, read some scripture over your husbands. Will you do that? Yes. If I go into that house without God, hey, God, I mean you're going into this house, I'm going to look like the Tasmanian devil. And it looked bad before, it's only going to get worse. Men, have you ever noticed that? You make it worse? Oh, yeah. Come on. Hey, men and women, teenagers in this room, I love to have fun. And I like to talk about the goodness of God and his grace and his mercy and his love for you. And you're going to see that in fullness one day when we are glorified in his presence forever. But the reason that many people who are Christians have hell at home is because we have hell inside of us. It's our mind. And it comes out and we think and we do. And that's not what God intended. It's not hell in us. Hey, guys, it's God in us. It's God in us. You see, I think I've heard, and, you know, I talk to guys. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, anger, anger, ah, oh, anger. No. That's the lie the enemy has made you believe. You're not angry. No. God's inside of you. Is God angry? No. So we'll get to afford more of this in a second. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Stop. Hey, guys, you have to take an inventory of that. 
There's something maybe inside of you right now that you need to put to death. We're going to end there today. Look here. I love this. Verse 8, just skipping down. You must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Hey, every single one of you, God in you. That here, Paul just says, no, you know what? You're on a journey. And you're being renewed in the image of your creator. So you go to lunch today, you go to work tomorrow, you go home this afternoon. Yeah, Scott may go home, but I get to realize that I am just being renewed. And my children deserve, my wife deserves, my whole family deserves God in me to come out. Every person in your life, they deserve the God in you to come out. This is where we're going to land it this morning. This keeps going on and on and on, and it's beautiful. But this one's where we want to close it. Clothe yourselves. Mm. Verse 12, you see this? I love this. I love it because it's a choice. We love choices. Therefore, as God's chosen people, that's us guys in Hope City this morning at the nine o'clock service, that is God's chosen people. We're holy and dearly loved. It says, if that's you, he says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself. I have a good friend of mine who we talk about this verse a lot. And, and he says, you know, he said, it's just, he's an older gentleman. And he says, you know, I just, there's a choice every day, almost every moment, every situation, there's a choice. And I can go to my closet and I can open it up and I can put on the jacket. I can go put on my jerk jacket, right? It's a choice. You know what's crazy is right beside the jerk jacket was the patient's jacket. Right beside the the mean jacket was the kindness jacket. And it's a choice for every single one of us how we're going to respond to everything that is going on in our life. We get to go to the closet and we get to choose what we clothe ourselves with. The God in us, listen to this, I guarantee you've been there. The God in us is saying, hey, Scott, listen, whoa, whoa, son, slow down. I've seen how you responded for 44 years. And that's not how I designed you. No, no. Hey, listen, go clothe yourself with kindness. It's the brown car heart next to the sweater. Just put it on. I want this image to be burned in your mind. I saw the movie, uh, the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood movie just the other day. I want that image burned in your mind. You get a choice of what you clothe yourself with. The God in you, I guarantee you, is cheering and screaming and longing 
for all of his attributes and characteristics to be put on by you. This choosing changes everything about the way you and I respond to those around us.